to somebody I really like his sermons because um, I'm that, just that kind of a guy. <laughs> but he has a title today that's going to be really, really, really important for us. So I would think that we'd really want to listen closely because it has to do with that power of God that comes upon us. And we're coming to that day, Pentecost, where that power fell on the church and it began to change things in the world. It can do that again in us. So here today, with his sermon, the title is The Power from on High, Barnabas Grayson. Thank you, Ron. I saw you looking around for me, so I sat down for a while. But anyway, here I am, and I thank you for all those accolades you gave me. I just hope it pans out the way you stated it. I know that we kind of look alike, if you notice, our, you know, our hairdos, they're getting nice and bright these days. As I look around, I don't see too many gray hairs around here. What's, what's, what's going on? But it's good to see you all here, so hello, how are you? You have your hand out, I suppose. I think Doyle was passing those out. Uh, the power from on high is the title to this message. It's, it is day, what, 42 in the count to Pentecost? Day 42 in the count to Pentecost. Now, is there any particular significance to this number 42? Some of you probably may remember, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, number 42 in baseball. But this uh, has significance for the people of God, for those who look to the Bible and see, you know, a lot of numbers that apply to uh, the plan of God. Now, as we know, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you be imbued with the power from on high. That power is to come from the most high God, as uh, scriptures describe him as also. So this power is a gift that is given upon repentance, baptism, and by the laying on of hands. Boom. So it is a gift that must not be neglected. It must not be grieved. It must not be short-changed. You may remember in Luke 24, 49, a previous sermon, Jesus said to his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they be endued with the power from on high. To be endued is to be gifted or endowed with, with a gift. You know how happy we are sometimes when we, we receive a gift, especially when, you know, it, there's a nice bright package that's there and we look at it and we wonder what's, what's inside and we rattle it around and if it's just one thing, you know, it must be something really big because it doesn't rattle, but when it rattles, you, it's either broken or you've got a whole lot of things going on inside that package. 
So we are endued or gifted with power from on high. And when you think about power, you've got to think about the power that you see around us. The power that we have in our control, you know, in, in our cars and in the electricity that, that runs these lights. There's power. Sang the song, there's power in the blood. So it takes a lot of spiritual discernment to understand just what it means to be gifted, to be endowed with that power from on high, which is the power of the most high God. So as we are aware, it is day 42 in the count to Pentecost on the 50th day. So when I made out this bulletin or this outline for you, and I put down, you know, day 42, I, I begin to think, now, is this really day 42? You know, I haven't been diligent in counting every day as, as we approach uh, Pentecost, you know, uh, on the count to 50. So traveling over here, my, my wife and I were talking about it, and she said, isn't it day 40-something or other? And I said, no, I think it's day 42. So we had to <laughs> reprove ourselves, and I had to ask Rick and Brian, this is day 42, so... So I've got that part correct, I think. Now, we also know that certain numbers can have significance in the plan of God and which show his hand in directing our lives, in directing the way uh, the world is going. For example, the number seven we know means what? It means completeness. As in the completion of the seven-day week, with the seventh day being the uh, holy day, being the Sabbath day. Now, all of this is according to a, uh, a book entitled Biblical Mathematics by Ed F. Valloway. Another example is the number three, which applies to divine completeness of the seven-day week with the... Uh, The number three, which applies to divine completeness and perfection also, even the resurrection. One, there is the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the first fruits. Two, there is the coming resurrection of the dead in Christ. And three, there is the resurrection of the rest of the dead at the, at the end of the millennium. That 100 years when mankind will be taught the way of God. The Bible also tells us that there is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. Now we know that the Holy Spirit is a spiritual essence. It is like a feeling. It is like the wind. You don't see it. It's not a person. It's not an, uh, something that has legs and walks, eyes and nose and talks. Although the Bible gives you that illusion. There are also three things in reference to the Lord. It says, the Lord who was, who is, and who is to come. So Jesus is described also as the way, the truth, and the life. And so all of these words should be taken into consideration when we think of, you know, not just one word says it all, but there are other words that apply to it that just enlarge upon it. Now, I don't intend to... Uh, you know, belabor the significance of numbers. There's a book back there that in the library that you might want to look at. But there's one more thing 
In Matthew 1.17 where it says that all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away of Babylon is 14 generations. And then from the carrying away to the birth of Jesus is 14 generations. So throughout history, Bible history, God sent prophets. He sent judges. He sent his son. But they did not repent or turn from their sins. Because, you know, God gave mankind free choice to do as they please. And he also said that as you sow, so shall you reap. So God sent these prophets, judges. And when they did not turn around, he did things to get their attention. Whether it was some horrible event that, like we saw here recently, school shooting. Whether it's earthquakes and floods, whether it's, you know, a, a disease or a plague. And as in the, in, in the first uh, message we heard about, you know, em empathy, having empathy for those who directly suffer these, uh, these things. We read in the word of God, it says that blessed are they that cry and sigh. And so we know that the prophets, like Daniel was mentioned in the prayer, cried, asked God for intervention, for help, for understanding, for all those things that we probably do not understand just yet. So numbers have a significance, as in the counting 50 days to arrive at the day of Pentecost. And this is day 42 in the count. So we see those three periods of 14 generations each. Three times 14 equals uh, 42 generations in all. We know that at Pentecost the spirit of power came upon the disciples and it's been passed on to those of us today by the laying on of hands who have been who have repented and who have been baptized. Now in the book of Hebrews Chapter 2. Here is a message for us. Written for us today. As it was back then. To think about. Concerning the things. That we have heard. About this gift. And how it came to be. For it was through the sacrifice. Of Jesus Christ. That. Paved the way. For our understanding. And for our salvation. And for having the spirit dwell in us that is going to give us eternal life one of these days. Verse 1, it says we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. You know, coming from the pulpit, coming from the Bible, coming from personal Bible study coming through prayers to God to give earnest heed to those things. But instead we find or we may notice it seems like in our busy life we just don't want to pay attention to the words of the eternal because we put off reading or hearing the words that lead to salvation and give warning and admonishments to live by every word of God. 
Verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, how shall we, how shall we escape so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, by them that witnessed him. Because we have the Bible, we have the words of the Bible in front of us, and it is confirmed to us that we trust their word, their, uh, the witnesses that saw Jesus Christ, touched him, knew him, heard his words, heard him speak. So it is confirmed to us. God also, verse 4, bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the words of God spread from that time until now. It's in our possession, that word is. And it has converted many of us. And those who were direct witnesses of the things of God, you know, we put our trust in their witness, their written word, which is for us today. But as Jesus said to the crowds of listeners that followed him, he said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. If God is giving you the understanding, think about it. Think on these things. Let him hear. But we know, as we know, it's one thing to hear the word, but it's, it's, it's another to abide in them. It says in scripture that to be not just hearers only, but also doers. When it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, that means we should bear no grudge, no evil toward them. Yet, you know, we need the spirit of the Most High to be able to do his will and answer his personal will for each of us because we have gifts according to the uh, mercy, according to the kindness, and according to the will of God. So Jesus has a personal interest in all of us, in all of you. Like in Ron's introduction to one of the songs that we sang, he, are, he, he is our shepherd. We are his sheep. He knows the number of hairs on your head. That's what the Bible says. And we have also a special destination that he has set before us. Verse 5, For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come. So there's a world coming, isn't there? An age that is going to be quite different from the age in the world that we see around us today. He has not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. There is a world coming. An age that is going to come that is just different from what we see around us now. And it was all planned from the start when the heavens and the earth was created. And we heard in one message uh, last Sabbath that it was Jesus who was with God and was God. So Jesus was the spokesman, the voice in the Old Testament, who said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And he gave man domination over creation. So God desired children. 
born of mortal flesh to become like him. Perfected in holiness through the power of the Holy Spirit that would see them through this present life. Sometimes filled with strife, violence and those things. After all, Jesus did say it is through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom. Verse 6, and one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? These are words from the Psalms uh, 8, Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, that King David wrote. And he, and he uh, addressed and he said for the musician to uh, compose music with string instruments. And we sang uh, a song today that had those words in it. What is man that thou art mindful of him? So sometimes we might ask, sometimes when we are uh, in, in our own little world, things might be going on against us, you know, things we may not understand. And we might ask, well, who am I? And what is man that, you're, that you may, that you even care, should even care for him? But we read in verse 7, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You know, Jesus became human and he was set lower than the angels, just like every human being. But there are some things that man has, you know, power over. Verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet for in that he put all in subjection under him he left nothing that is not put under him but now we see not yet all the things put under him so there are a lot of things that eye has not seen or ear heard that is going to come to pass one of these days for it became him this is Jesus for whom are all things by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory that's the work of God that's the work uh, that he has laid out in a salvation plan for our for our direction to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings that you know Jesus suffered he had to be human he had to undergo the very same things that we human beings also go undergo for as much then, in verse 14, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, Satan the devil. Verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifelong, lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. You know the nature is very highly intelligent. They can zip from one side of the earth to the other. And they appear before God in heaven. As it says you know. Uh, the uh, Angels of the children do appear before God. So they are more powerful than any human being can imagine. Verse 17 you know, Jesus was made lower than the angels because he became a human. Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be 
made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. We know that we are not immortal, but we know the time is coming when this mortal body of ours is going to be given life everlasting through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we receive by the laying on of hands. First repentance and baptism. And now we have, you and I, we all have the uh, uh, measure of the gift of the Spirit thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who came to give his life not just for us in individually but for all mankind. So now we can look upon others no matter who they are, what they're doing, how they are. God knows about them. He knows their comings and their goings. John chapter 14, verse 17, it says, Even the spirit of truth, <clears throat> whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he do, uh, dwells with you and shall be in you. You know, at first glance, as you read this, it's making you think that the spirit has a body, that it is a, that it is a him. But the Holy Spirit is the essence. It's a feeling uh, one may have from his heart and from his mind that comes from God. Verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. And the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. So even though we do not see Christ, we understand that he is there, that he is where uh, at the right hand of God, where he is. So we can see him. We can understand him. As Peter said on the day of Pentecost over in Acts 2, uh, there was one there who said, what can we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was giving to his disciples, said them for them to wait, wait on it. So we are gifted, endowed with the power from on high. So be you holy, be ye holy, for I am holy, said the Lord. To be holy is to be set apart as righteous in obedience to God. To be an example to others. To not be partakers of other men's sins. Because we are bound to Christ. Not in bondage to the ways of the world. You remember in the book of Revelation. It says to come out of her, my people. Come out of. Babylon, the confusion that is in the world because it is going to lead to the wrath of God if we don't. From the, this book of Revelation, there will be that time of just, of just letting go. Are you going to follow man or are you going to follow Christ? And I think even now we should begin to let go.
So our conversation is in heaven, it says in Philippians 3.20. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> we are the temple of the living God. In the King James, that expression, it says, our abiding is in heaven. And in the ASV, it says, our citizenship is in heaven. In the Amplified, it says, but we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And the Amplified uh, Classic, I think it's called, but we are citizens of the state or the commonwealth or the homeland which is in heaven and from it also we uh, earnestly and patiently await for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah as our Savior so we must not neglect the spirit in us or, or grieve it 1st Corinthians 3 verse 16 Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So as we walk in the Spirit of God, doesn't mean to be, uh, you know, prideful, but to know that you are the temple of God and he cares for us. You are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He wants us to know that. But if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple of God you are. But how is this temple defiled? Turn over to Galatians 5. We see it is by the works of the flesh, which are these. Verse 19, all these things here, adultery fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we can see, in a way, that there are perilous times in, we, in which we live. And it's because of these things, the state of mind of so many people who do atrocious and horrible things. But the fruit of the Spirit, in verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. No law that is going to condemn them like the penalty of sin that leads to death. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. If we live in the spirit, it says, let us also walk in the spirit. So we are to be a new creature in Christ. And we learned some of that on the, uh, during the days of unleavened bread. We renew ourselves. Remembering that it was Christ who gave his life for us as the Lamb of God so that we can enter into and walk in this newness of life that is in the freshness 
of faith and the freshness of hope and the freshness of love. And we know that the greatest of that is love. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He asks, Paul asks, verse 16, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You're the temple of the living God. The living God, you know, you have your Bible out and underline that. The living God and believe it. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So we're the temple of the living God. This self-existent being who has an eye on each of us because he has given his gift of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. But if they have not the spirit of the eternal dwelling in them, they are none of his. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 29 through 31. It says for us to not let any or let no cor uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of, you know, of edifying one another. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. The Amplified Bible expresses this as don't let unwholesome, that is foul or profane or worthless or vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Verse 30, important. And grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So this gift that God has given us, this Holy Spirit is a seal. And we are sealed unto the day of uh, redemption. So don't cause grief to God's Spirit. So I heard in the prayer uh, that, you know, God is grieved at the things he sees. So our wrong actions, whatever happens, can be disappointing to God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Never be bitter. Never be angry. Never be mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. I know in many times, you know, that in my own life, I have not... Uh, abided in this because maybe of anger I have said things that I should not have said or I have expressed it in a tone that is not loving and kind but we're not perfect no human being is perfect we don't do things right all the time and we slip up and we fall down and we also pay the price sometimes people might wonder well you know all these things that are going on, if God is aware of all these atrocities going on, why doesn't he step in to stop it? All of these things, like you can go back to 9-11, they are wake-up calls. They are things that remind us of our mortality, that we are bound to suffer if we do not change. We have free moral agency. We can do as we please. We can believe as we please. But as you sow, 
so shall you reap. And somebody else will probably uh, do evil. We hope not, and we pray not, but who's to know? God is getting our attention, at least our attention, that we need to be in a prayerful attitude and in an obedient attitude. First John chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Of everyone we see, whether we pass them, you know, uh, on the roads or on the highways or in the malls or in the grocery stores. And hereby we do know that we know him. How do we know him? If we keep his commandments. So do we remember to keep the Sabbath holy? Do we keep his feasts? Do we keep his dietary laws? This is how we know that, the, that his spirit is in us if we abide in his word. But like I say, we, we slip up sometimes. But we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Romans chapter 8 says, uh, verses 1 through 28, but we're not going to go through all that. But in verse 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no con condemnation, no penalty for them walking after the, the spirit, doing what is good and pleasing in the sight of God. Remember those things that we read back in Galatians 5, things that you can look at and see where, uh, you know, examine yourself as, as you look at those things. For the law of the spirit of life, verse 2, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, this is, you know, the Apostle Paul speaking. <clears throat> and he, he saw himself also as, you know, the least of all saints. And I think sometimes all of us put us in that position as the least of all saints. That the righteousness of the law... Oh, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Once again, you go back to Galatians 5 and you can see how we're supposed to walk and not walk. Verse 6, to be carnally minded means death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 9. Drop down to verse 9. Or verse 8. First. So then they that are in the flesh. Can't please God. But you're not in the flesh. It says to us. But in the spirit if. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. On down to 14. For as many. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the children of God. We are children of God. 
if we are being led by the Spirit instead of being obstinate or disobedient. For you have not received, for for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba Father. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. You know, from the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden to the present time, mankind has been groaning ever since due to wrongdoing, due, due to the transgression of the law. And in our own way, sometimes when things happen, we groan also for deliverance and for the kingdom of God to come. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves with waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what is for what a man sees. Why does he yet hope for it? Talked about the gift of uh, of the uh, spirit of the gift of everlasting life. Like a gift that might be sitting on a shelf and we know it's meant for us, but we can't get to it just yet. It's something that we wait on. So in a way, we wait upon the fulfillment of what that gift is when we open it. And so we hope for it. We don't see it spiritually, but uh, we, then do we with patience wait for it. We also know about the, the spirit. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. But the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So our innermost feelings may not be able to be expressed in words, but it is understood by the Holy Spirit of God who knows our, our, our very being. Verse 27, and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Go to 1 Corinthians to see, uh, find the definition of what love is. But to love is to trust. Stay loyal, no matter what. So it was necessary for Jesus to be like us as a human being so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest and advocate. He was tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. He had to live a perfect life in order to take away the death penalty for sin. As we know, sin is against the eternal or against God as I sometimes say I say eternal and I will use also God and you know some say some say Jehovah or Yahweh names that they all boil down to one essential meaning and that of everlasting now we know Jesus did not have it easy he had persecutions he had sufferings just as any human being would 
But he tells us to fear not, for I have overcome the world. That is, all the temptations, the persecutions, the pain, the sorrows, and whatever else the fiery darts of Satan throws at us. And how was it possible that he overcame? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you right now. So through that same power from on high that was given to the disciples on the day of Pentecost, through that spirit, many of you have overcome trials and troubles in your life. The scripture in Hebrews chapter 2 is about Jesus telling us this. Hebrews 2.18 For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to secure them that are tempted. He's our intercessor. He understands our needs. So with Pentecost, I guess eight days away, we will be celebrating that day when the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power from on high, was poured out upon the disciples, put into their minds, put into your minds and in your hearts, into our very being that gives us the will and the power to walk in the Spirit of God. So that Spirit, that power, from on high, which has been passed on to us by the laying on of hands, it is our connection to God. To God the Father, to God the Son, and we do that through prayer. I have in my pocket, you know, my cell phone. It's got all the places that I can, you know, go to. And, uh, Sometimes I get calls that, you know, who are they? You get weird things coming on the phone. But our connection is a pure connection. It's an open line whenever we have a need for prayer made to God. Because we know it says that all things are possible with God. If it's, a, you know, if it's according to his will, wisdom, his purpose, and something we don't always know. We just, we just wait upon the answer. But in the last days, it says that iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. And it can come between us and, and God, as well as our family and our, and our brethren. So we have to stir up the spirit, stir up love, stir up hope and faith. Every time I see the word stir up, I think of when I used to pronounce it as steer up until one of the brethren in the church said, uh, I think you should, it should be stir, you know. You know, stir just means, you know, you stir it. But a steer, you know, I think of a cow or something like that. So I was corrected, and so when I see that, I, I always think, you know, I think of the man who told me that. Steer, no, stir up the spirit. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3 tells us that there will be perilous times. 2 Peter 3, 3 tells us that there will be scoffers in the last days. So this message was made clear on the day of Pentecost. The message that was made clear on the day of Pentecost was for, uh, to repent and be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what must we do to be saved? said those who were listening to Peter and those who were upon whom the, uh, 
miracle of tongues fell. So Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name or by the authority of Jesus Christ. For there is no other authority under heaven, no other name under which we may be saved. For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That spirit from on high, from the most high God, the living God, it's a gift. You know, God knows how to give good. If he said to us, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, so shall God give good gifts to them that ask him. Jesus answered a Samaritan woman at the well. And in John 4, verse 1, or chapter 4, that is. He said to her, if you knew the gift of God and what it is, and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. So that gift is living water. So all we need to do is ask Jesus. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. So God already knows what is on our minds and hearts, and he knows our needs. As on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit, the power from on high, was poured out upon the disciples, it was also poured out on the Gentiles. In Acts 11, you can read that in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, you know, about Cornelius and, and uh, all them that were with him gathered together. Peter and those that were with him saw the power of the Holy Spirit come down upon them just as it did on them on the day of Pentecost. Also, Acts 11 uh, lets us know uh, of those things. So the centurion and his family were believers. They heard of Jesus and his teachings among the Jews, and they gave gifts to the poor. Their heart was right with God who called them, and he led Peter to them to see the power from on high come upon them. So as you know, Memorial Day is a couple of days away. In eight days, you know, we celebrate Pentecost. For us, it is a memorial. And one that looks back to that day in history when God poured out his spirit into the minds and hearts of his disciples. We're now day 42. We've seen a little bit of the significance of that. Going to shorten this just a little bit. I should cut it down to 20 minutes. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 6 through 8. As you know, he said, uh, Christ said to his disciples, Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the power on, on high. As you know, Waiting involves patience. It involves endurance. It involves overcoming the doubts and the fears and, and the uh, puzzling questions that we might have between uh, the time that we're looking for. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 6 through 8. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, gifts, there's a, there's a wide variety of meanings uh, to uh 
gifts, physical, but in this case, it's spiritual, you know, like love, like faith, and those things. Who shall confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he may strengthen you, that is, confirming you with his strength. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says that every man has his perfect gift to edify. 1 Corinthians 12 concerns those spiritual gifts that he, uh, Paul said he would not have us ignorant of. So things spiritual are things unseen like faith and love and hope, which dwells you know, inside the mind and the heart of a person, which is manifested in, in works and in deeds. Concerning gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6, we, we know this, that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of operations, but the same God which works in all. So God is working in every one of us in some way, refining us, getting us ready. For, for the next step. Ephesians 4 says. We are given a measure of grace. According to the measure of the gift of Jesus. I want to go ahead and go to. Uh, 1 Corinthians. 12.13. Where it says. By one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, have been all made to drink into that one spirit. So we all share that spirit. We all share and hear that power from on high. So let us not neglect the spirit that is in us because it is power from on high. You know, the old saying, use it or lose it. Matthew 29 says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as you shall find, bid to the marriage. For blessed are they called unto the wedding feast of the, Lord, of the Lamb. In Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So let us walk in the Spirit Let's not grieve the spirit. Let's get closer and closer to the word of God through prayer, through study, and through our interaction with one another.